You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Back on another episode with you. I'm Joshua Balta, your host here at Hive Hoops. We are already on episode 10. I feel like we just started, and yet here we are. Appreciate all of the listens, all of the feedback, the reviews, all of those things. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to continue to check us out here at Hive Hoops as we bring you the latest Hornets news, coverage, all of the above. Going to jump right in. The Hornets are coming off of back-to-back losses to the Nets and Wizards at home where they had the lead in the fourth quarter. This now brings Charlotte to four losses on the season when holding a lead in the fourth quarter. No bueno. I guess a positive that you could take away from this is that the Hornets did score 100 for the first time in four games by scoring exactly 100 in the 108-100 loss to the Wizards. This is becoming a trend early on in the season for the Hornets. I raised this question on the Hornets' lead account. I believe it was last week when I pretty much asked, is this season starting to look a lot like last season where the Hornets are dropping these games where they should win or they're at least in the position to win? Should win may be strong. I'll give you that. Should win may be a strong sentiment or a position with where this team is health-wise currently. I get that, and I'm completely open to that. But the fact is that the Hornets are in these games. They're playing well enough to where they have leads in the fourth quarter against opposing teams at home for the most part yet continue to drop these games. We've seen this now to the Knicks, up five with two minutes to go, beating the Kings on Halloween night by 15 at halftime, but then squander that lead just to regain the lead back in the fourth quarter to eventually lose. We saw this against the Nets where the Hornets are up 12 with six and a half minutes to go and completely blow that one. And then you're playing an extremely beatable Wizards team at home yet again, and you lose that one. This is becoming an early season trend for the Hornets, blowing fourth quarter leads in winnable games. And now... Of course, we know that this team is not healthy. But the fact of the matter is, is these teams that the Hornets are losing to, they're not exactly healthy either. And so when we run through these losses, there's a lot of people, the Hornets are, they're fighting, they're battling. I'm not saying that they're not doing those things. I believe that we've seen through the first 11 games, a difference in effort. Now, 
Can't really say that in the Memphis game. Can't really say that in the Magic game. And so there are still remnants of this of the same Hornets team that we've come to know throughout the past few years. There are still remnants of that team that shows up one night and then completely airballs the next. A team that hits one night and they're they're giving you a good performance but then misses everything and just completely fails to show up the next. There are remnants of that still. And so I, we need to pay attention to that as the season progresses as well. And especially as this team becomes more and more healthy, we need to pay attention to that to see if those, you know, Jekyll and Hyde moments continue to show themselves or if this team's going to become more balanced and more consistent in their effort and in their nightly play. But getting back to the health of the, of the opposing teams that the Hornets have lost to, the Hornets were up 15 and against a Kings team whose best player, arguably their best player in De'Aaron Fox, went out at halftime, and the Kings blitzed us in the second half to head back to Sacramento with a win. In the loss to the Nets, yes, the Nets have Kevin Durant. Completely understood, okay? The Nets are a mess currently. Even with Kevin Durant, they are a mess. They were missing Kyrie Irving for all of the reasons that we know. That was a winnable game. You put yourself in that position to win that game up 12 with half a quarter remaining, and you could not close it out. That's frustrating. I don't care if Kevin Durant's on the other side or not. When you've put yourself in the position where you are up double digits at home in the fourth quarter, you have to find a way to close that game out. Then we see it again with the Wizards. The Wizards were without their best player. There's no arguably to this. The Wizards were without their best player in Bradley Beal. The Hornets lose again. In the fourth quarter. In a very winnable game. And so I get a lot of people are like, what do you expect? Like, even if the Hornets were healthy, these were going to be tight games. These were going to be close. These were those toss-up games at the beginning that they needed to win. What do you expect? These expectations are too high. Why are you getting upset about this? Why are you expecting wins with where the roster currently is? It is extremely fair to state the obvious. Yes, this team needs to needs to get healthy. That's fair, right? I think we all can agree on that. But is it is also fair to say, the Hornets should have won some of these games, no matter who is available and who is not, because they put themselves in the position to win these games. They're just not closing them out well. It's fair to say both, that this team needs to get healthy and that also that they should have won some of these games. That may be a magic team. I didn't even mention this one. Maybe a Magic team missing five of their rotation players shouldn't beat us by 30. I don't know. Is that crazy to think? 
I don't think so. I don't think that that's crazy to think. Now, why is this happening? Why do the Hornets, even down LaMelo Ball, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier for a chunk, and Cody Martin, continue to lose and blow these fourth-quarter leads in winnable games? There's one stat that we can really zone in on and put our microscope in on to see exactly what's taking place in these fourth quarters. Now, I'm going to say something, and immediately a lot of people are going to be like, yes, he said it. We need more of this. Fire up the pitchforks. All of those things, right? And the torches. And then there's going to be another segment that's like, ah, here we go. This is the easy scapegoat. Here we go. Wow. Grand take. Well, I got some numbers as well to back it up. Mason Plumley cannot finish the game in the fourth quarter any longer for the Charlotte Hornets. Boom, I said it. Now, there's a large portion, like I said, a large portion of you is like, yes, yes, this is what we've been saying. This is what we've been clamoring for on social media, in our spaces, with our friends, in our talking points, all of those things. No Mason Plumley in the fourth quarter. Many of you have been saying no Mason Plumley at all. That's a bit too much, okay? Mason Plumley has been valuable to this team in the minutes that he's played in quarters one through three. When the Hornets are running their normal offense and Mason Plumley is setting screens at the top of the key, he's handing the ball off, he's making you know backdoor passes to cutters, he's finding shooters on the perimeter, things of that nature. When the Hornets are running their normal offense, Plumley can have value in there. And he did an amazing job on the glass against the Wizards at home on Monday night. But where it drops off is in the fourth quarter of tight games. And we know that in the fourth quarter, defenses tighten up, offenses become more iso ball. There's some screens. uh, There's some off-ball action. Yes, those things still occur. But we know in the fourth quarter of tight games that the offense tightens up and it becomes less of your routine within the game offense. And Mason Plumley is an extreme liability in these scenarios and also defensively because he doesn't offer you the rim protection. He doesn't offer you the mobility on the wing when many other teams are going smaller to exploit his mobility or his non-mobility at that, right? And so here are some numbers to support this because, like I said, I know some of you are like, oh, easy scapegoat, Mason Plumley. There's more to it than this, you know, all of that. Here are the numbers on the fourth quarter plus minus with Mason Plumley. Mason Plumley is a negative 38 
plus minus in the fourth quarter and in overtimes on the season. A minus 38. Now, to give you some comparisons of other players who have played heavy minutes in the fourth quarter, okay, Kelly Oubre is the, has the next lowest plus minus at a minus 23. That's still a that's still a positive 15 uh threshold over Plumley. Okay. PJ Washington is at a minus 10. A lot of our players have a minus in the fourth quarter because we have blown so many leads this season, so it makes sense. Okay. Dennis Smith Jr. is actually a positive in the fourth quarter. He's positive two, positive three. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. This is all coming from Stathead, by the way. Jalen McDaniels has played very well in the fourth quarter. He's up only a minus one. All right. And so I'm naming a few players that we know have played heavy fourth quarter minutes. And a lot of those guys who would, not Dennis Smith Jr., but the Jalen McDaniels, P.J. Washington, who could be those interchangeable players with Plumlee, not so much Jalen McDaniels, but more sliding P.J. to the five and putting Jalen McDaniels at the four, okay, and bringing Plumlee out so that we have that smaller lineup that a lot of teams tend to go to in late in the fourth quarter with more shooting on the floor, more spacing for driving lanes, for kickouts. And then also defensively, okay, yeah, you give up a little bit of rebounding, and I think that's Cliff's thinking here is he wants rebounding on the floor, but that's not happening currently. And a minus 38 in the fourth quarter just isn't going to cut it Late in games, that's why we continue to see this happen. But the biggest stat that I want to throw at you, this is insane. Nick Richards. Nick Richards plus minus in the fourth quarter is a plus 32. A plus 32 in the fourth quarter and overtime. So that is a net plus 70 in fourth quarters and overtime to go with Nick Richards over Mason Plumley. That is crazy. That's one of the wildest stats that I've seen. So we've all seen, I know a lot of people that listen to this, being in Charlotte, you know, being a Charlotte sports fan, many of you are Panthers fans as well. And so seeing that stat where every team, after they've played the uh, Carolina Panthers this season, has lost the following week when the Panthers are just atrocious, you'd think that would be one of those games that can get, you know, teams on the right track basically for the rest of the season. Teams just continue to drop games following the Carolina Panthers, right? This is right there with that. Nick Richards is a plus 32 in the fourth quarter in overtime. A plus 70 net gain. Going with Nick Richards, big Nick energy over Mason Plumlee in the fourth quarter. Mason Plumlee cannot play in the fourth quarter and overtime any longer down the backstretch of these games. If you want to go, like, the rotation has to rotate, okay? If you want to get 
Mason Plumlee some minutes at the beginning of the fourth quarter and let him play when the game doesn't – it still hasn't slowed down to that tight, more iso ball type thing, you know, and that style of play, go for it. When you're still running your normal offense at the beginning of the fourth quarter, things haven't tightened up so much, do that. But finishing games with Mason Plumley is not working, and the numbers support it. This isn't just an eye test thing. This isn't bagging on Mason Plumley just because he's Mason Plumley. This is numbers supported, and this coaching staff, who I have not been critical of because they haven't been working with a full deck, I want to see what they do with the full deck, and I think that there are some good things coming out of this coaching staff. I'm not that guy who just turns on the coaching staff immediately because the players have a giant responsibility. They play a massive role in the outcomes of these games, more so than the coaching. Coaching does matter, but I'm not one that's just going to start slamming on the coaching staff, especially not after 11 games with multiple of the Hornets' best players being out. But Mason Plumley, this is something that the coaching staff has to see. The numbers support that Mason Plumley does not need to finish games moving forward. It either needs to be Nick Richards, who still offers you rebounding, can actually finish around the rim. Also, if he gets fouled, is a decent free throw shooter. Or you go small with P.J. at the five. You give up a little bit of rebounding, you add some other things. Shooting, spacing, and then you just gang rebound at that point. You crash. You win games. You find out how to win games. You you close these things out. No more Mason Plumley at the end of games. It can't happen. Moving on, Blazers on Wednesday night. Hive Hoops is going to be in the building for the first time this season. Headed to the game tonight. Blazers look like they are getting healthy. They're going to be without Gary Payton. But that's about it. So Damian Lillard's going to be available. And Co. Could be a tough night for the Hornets. But then we've also seen where the Hornets show up. And they play well against teams who are healthy, who are at full strength. And so, I mean, really don't know what to tell you tonight. I really don't. But uh, Blazers are at full strength. Hornets are not. LaMelo Ball is out again. Gordon Hayward is out again as well. Cody Martin is doubtful. Uh, We saw Dennis Smith Jr. return to the uh, starting lineup last game, so that was a positive as far as health goes. Did not result in a win, but it is good for the backcourt depth currently. Following this Blazers game, tonight the Hornets will have two games to finish the week in Miami against the Heat. Tough schedule for the rest of this week for the Hornets. You go Blazers and then Heat, Heat. Three and eight currently. Not being healthy, playing two good teams. I know the Heat haven't been playing that well. Blazers just came off of 
beating the Heat off that uh, buzzer beater by Josh Hart. But the Heat are good. We expect the Heat to rebound at some point and against an injured Hornets team missing two of their best players, we could definitely see the Heat getting back on track against the Charlotte Hornets, which would not be surprising whatsoever. The Heat have dominated the Hornets in recent years. When the Hornets actually do make the playoffs, seems like we always play the Heat. Just, we'll see where we are at the end of the week. Three and eight currently. Hornets really need to start racking up some wins. This schedule doesn't really lead to that, just on paper. Hopefully the Hornets bring it in the hive tonight. We'll be there. We'll be going crazy. We'll be uh, doing our absolute best to rally the guys in purple and teal. Thanks for tuning in for another episode. Catch you next time here at Hive Hoops. Adios. Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops, presented by The League. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops. Hoops.